Welcome to the Like, Bite, and Share podcast, brought to you by Schweiden Sons. Learn the secrets of food and hospitality marketing from some of the best professionals in the food business. Here are your co-hosts, Rev Ciancio from Schweiden Sons and Brad Garoon from BurgerWeekly.com. Brad, how you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm starving. Just went to Miami, flew back, got back late, woke up today, had to wrap, and nothing since. I need food. <laughs> Did you eat any, any good burgers while you were down there? Yeah, man. Uh, I went to this place called Kush, which is uh, run by a guy, I believe his name is Matthew Kush Kushner, uh, and he opened a restaurant a while back called Local, which was well known for having a great burger. And I had done all this like burger research um, about Miami uh, with a little bit of help from the burger beast, Seth Gonzalez. Oh, uh, he's the best. Yeah. Uh, and I sent that. I was, I was down there for uh, my girlfriend's family reunion slash grandma's 85th birthday party. So I sent that to her family. They all looked at it. They thought it was good. But one of her cousins uh, ignored my entire list. It was like, I went to Kush a little while ago. Great burger. Amazing beer. I'm like, you said amazing beer? Because the hotel does not have good beer. All right, let's go there. Uh, and they had this burger called the Johnny Utah that they said on the menu was voted best in Miami. And I'm sure as you can attest, Rev. There's a lot of bests. There's a lot of bests. A lot of bests. And, and it's not always clear who's, who's doing the voting. And it took me quite a lot of asking to find out that it was the Miami New Times, which voted them the Johnny Utah the best burger of the year, I believe, in 2014, although it might have even been some like towards the year now this year. So I got it, and it, it was pretty good. Um, I was pretty a little bit inebriated by the time it arrived because uh, there were some beers I'd never tried before. But yeah, it was great. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I like, I like pastrami on a burger. I'm learning to, to, to eat it a lot. They, they have it at Almond in, um, in Tribeca, too. Do you, do you feel like pastrami is a topping that shouldn't be on a burger, or you're embracing that as a topping? No, I'm, I'm all for it. Not just as a topping, but also ground into the patty. Ooh, that sounds special. Yeah, it's good. You should try it. Go down to, here, we'll go down to Almond in Tribeca one day, and we'll get it. I had it already, but I, need, I could do it again. I've said this before. I will say it again. I like burgers. I know it's true. What about you? Any good burgers lately? Uh, yes, actually. Uh, recently in New York City, El Mago de las Fritas. You, have you been to El Mago? Yeah, I went with Seth. Uh, the Burger Beast is awesome. There, there's an awesome, awesome restaurant in uh, Western Miami, uh, or I think they call it West Miami, in Little Havana, called El Mago de las Fritas. I have no idea how long it's been there, but the, you know, El Mago is a guy. Uh, he's 77 years old. He owns a restaurant. They do like traditional Cuban American food. They've been doing it forever. You walk in. There's a couple of stools. There's a couple of booths. And the specialty, the house is the frita cubana. And for people who don't know what that is, uh, it, it's a Cuban hamburger. So it's, it's some ground beef. And they use the spices that you would use in chorizo, but no chorizo. So it sort of tastes chorizo-esque. Uh, then some raw onions, some julienne potatoes, the specialty Cuban roll. Uh, and you're like, well, it doesn't sound so special, man. It goes in your mouth. It's just amazing. Anyway, uh, they have something called the Magic Box, which is a little trailer. And they drove it up from Miami to New York. And they served in Williamsburg for two days. And you could walk up to the Magic Box and you could have the Cubana Frita just as El Mago would serve it in his store in, in West Miami. And it was in, in New York for two days. I ate three of them. Uh, and they were magical, man. They were <laughs> No, they were so good. They were so good. I truly, truly enjoyed it. Uh, it, it was a blessing to, uh, to have that in our town. And, you know, every time I'm in Miami, I go eat there. And it was nice to have it in New York City. It was, it was awesome, man. I really yeah. That, that place, Kush, actually has a Frita Cubana on the menu, too. Well, and did you get one? No. 
Man, it's tough. It's a tough call. I, I just don't. I'm so loyal to El Mago. I don't know that I can eat anywhere else. Yeah. Have you uh, Have you ever eaten at El Rey de? Uh, what is it? El Rey de las Fritas. El Rey de las Fritas. Uh, do you know the story, right? Uh, I'm sure they told me, but I, uh, I do not remember. So El Rey actually came first, and El Mago was part of that family, and he broke off and started his own. And he was like, "Well, I'm, El Rey means the king." And El Mago means the magician. So he was like, well, I'm not the king. I'm the magician. And that, that, there's like a whole family dispute there. But I, I'm so loyal to El Mago that I would not eat El Rey. <laughs> it sounds like a Lafayette American issue. Oh, listen, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, one day we'll tell everybody about the Detroit woes. Maybe we can, we'll have to do them in a future episode. Maybe we get both of them and let them delineate uh, about what the differences between the two. Uh, the American and Lafayette or Mago and Ray? Oh, well, okay, well, that's two podcasts. There we go. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're, we're about to bring on here uh, Matt Curry from Best Wings Long Island. Uh, you know, we, we wanted to talk to Matt. You know, he's sort of a like a social media savant. He started a website about hot wings and turned into a couple of social media accounts. And next thing you know, he's got a, a food festival that draws 7,000 people uh, to just eat hot wings. So uh, he's got a lot to say. He's got a lot to teach you guys about social media and, and niche marketing. Uh, so let's uh, let's get Matt here and talk. So today on the podcast, I'd like to introduce Matt Curry from Best Wings Long Island. Uh, he is a voice actor, a producer, and a composer for numerous multi-genre pieces uh, for independent film and advertising. At least that's what his uh, what one of his websites will tell you. Uh, Matt is a, a singer for a band. He is a, uh, a blogger of Hot Wings. He's a sort of a, a social media guru, uh, and he's also the co-founder of. The the New York Best Wings Festival, which uh, just had its second year event ever happen. The first year drew, I think, about 400 people, uh, and the second year jumped up to 7,000 people. So we're going to talk to Matt. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. We're, we're, we're psyched to have you. I had a, uh, a really, really good time uh, at the uh, New York Best Wings Festival a couple weeks ago. That was that was really fun. <laughs> yeah, man, we had a ball for sure. <laughs> What, what was the uh, what was the final count on a number of tickets to sold? Do you have like an idea what that was? Yeah, I mean it's somewhere a little over seven thousand. Uh, we had uh, you know before we actually uh, opened the doors, we had sold you know over four thousand. But then you know you get the folks that walk up. It was a beautiful day uh, in in the area, and it had been raining actually uh, the whole week beforehand. So as soon as the sun came out, people were just dying to get out and. And that's something that worked in our favor. Mother Nature was just uh, working hand in hand with us. So, so at the end of the day, we had a little over seven thousand wing fans. It was kind of like the hot wing gods came and lifted the rock and like pushed away the clouds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a little bit of destiny, and and it's very cool too because you know a lot of people made their plans not just coming from Long Island or New York. People came from the tri-state area, you know, Connecticut and Massachusetts, New Jersey, close to Philly. Uh, so it was a big coming together for, for wing fans. It was a small pilgrimage uh, to a big wing festival, which was awesome. It was definitely awesome. Well, can you can you give the listeners a little background about what the uh, festival entailed, what it was? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, our whole thing as, as Best Wings LI, you know, we started as a review website, and we're pretty much wing hunters uh, looking for the best wings. So, you know, after a little while, we, we did kind of Wings and Beer Fest, which was a smaller wing bash, you, which you had mentioned, which was, was a wing restaurants and local breweries. Uh, but, of course, we said that, that we wanted to do something that was a championship, a place for all of these uh, wing champs who had won awards with us and other places to come together and just do a big championship. And uh, we, we saw the need in the area 
to have a, a big wing festival, something that would just be mega awesome and epic. And uh, my partner and I are pretty much entertainers and multimedia guys, and we said, hey, let's, let's just put together this huge fun event and, and get the language out and, and the, the marketing voice that this is, this is a massive wing fest and a huge coming together for wing fanatics uh, in the eastern region. You know, Western New York has the National Buffalo Wing Festival, and Eastern New York will have the New York Best Wings Festival, which is home to the Best Wings Championships. Uh, so we pulled together uh, this year restaurants, you know, from New York City and Queens, New Jersey, uh, of course, Long Island to come together, obviously to serve thousands of hungry wing fans from all over the place, but to have a real official championship with seasoned judges like, you know, yourself, Rev, and Adam Pock, and, and, and uh, Brian from Bring the Wing, and Matt Reynolds from uh, the Great Chicken Wing Hunt film. Uh, and so forth, and, and we we put our minds to it, we spoke it out loud, uh, my partner and I have a way of, sometimes, you know, we, we will just say certain things out loud, actually most of the time, and those things will come to pass, just because we believe in them with everything we've got, uh, so that's what we did, and it happened, uh, and uh, that's what the New York Best Wings Festival was really all about, just erecting a mega wing fest in this region. And how, how many total uh, vendors and restaurants were there? Oh, uh, well, total vendors, not just restaurants, because, you know, we had, like, pretzel people there and soda people there and everything. I mean, it was, uh, with the breweries and everything, it was about 60, 60, 70 vendors. Wow, that, yeah, I think that's about how many wings I ate. <laughs> yeah, you were stuff wing your face. A, li- a, little, a little bit. Uh, so how did the, how, how did you, you, when did you start the blog? Bestwingsli.com. The review site started in October of 2011. Wow, so really, really not that long ago. That's right. Um, that's right. And, you know, as I do always say, uh, particularly we're blessed to be working in, in the chicken wing and in the wing world because it does have a cult following. I think, you know, it's not to say that anybody can just try to erect a, a wing festival or a wing website and it's going to catch on. I think you still need to put yourself out there in a way that's catchy and, and attractive and fun so people uh, latch on to it. But, you know, uh, things did snowball rather quickly for us, and, and I think the way that we presented our love for wings and, and how much fun it is, you know, became uh, very addictive. So, so, yeah, it wasn't that long ago, uh, 2011. Yep. And what was the uh, what was like the aha moment where you wanted to get into the, into the event space, or was there an aha moment? <laughs> I lost I lost you for a second there. What what was the uh, what was the aha moment for you that made you want to get into the into sorry what was the aha moment that made you want to get into the event space? I think that you know we we really sat down. The first time, uh, you know, we kept going to the same wing restaurant over and over and over again. It was our ritual after, you know, we're rehearsals. Rob, my partner, and myself were musicians, uh, and we played in bands. So we sat down and we said a bunch of crazy stuff out loud. We said, "Hey, you know, you know, we keep eating these wings. Uh, they're great, but there's got to be more out there than this. Why, why don't we go to every wing restaurant and we'll have them and we'll find the best ones and we'll make a." a review website about it, and hey, wouldn't it be funny if, if we'd be judges at, at wing festivals and people would have us come to be judges, and hey, wouldn't it even be crazier uh, if we were to make uh, wing events of our own and have some big festival? Uh, so we kind of like laid out our future right there in that first uh, meet wing, if you will. Uh, it was accidental and everything, but we, we began to build a reputation 
uh, as things, uh, you know, became uh, more out there and more popular and folks would call us out to some small wing-offs, uh, you know, local wing-offs in one town where there might be a couple of restaurants there and people coming out and, and we're just looking around and, and we're saying, man, you know, we, you know, we could do this in a way that would be so much fun and so crazy and so off the wall. You know, we really should look to put together uh, a wing and beer fest. We had really been getting into the craft beer scene at Long Island and the many towns are having a growing craft beer scene. And we said, our favorite thing is wings and beer. You know, let's, let's bring those two things together and make it awesome. So we just started to, uh, our, uh, to network more and, and build more of what we call the wing community. Uh, and we pulled some great minds together to to start things off. And uh, and when we when we had our wing and beer fest, which was much smaller, as you mentioned, about 400 people, you know, uh, we said, man, let's let's do this big. And and I think our aha moment was probably uh, at the wing and beer fest, and we said, let's let's go big or go home now. You know, people are loving this. Let's not mess around anymore. Uh, and that was probably like last year, 2014, uh, first quarter. For sure. So, how important are wing punts to the promotion of your of your situation here? I think I think it's very important. I think uh, a lot of things people may take for granted is, is you got to get the community involved in what you're doing to have like a groundswell, you know, um, and to go out there and to be get to know the restaurants, um, rally the fans of those restaurants, get those restaurants to be a voice for you as well, and what you're doing is key. Uh, absolutely key, uh, because yeah, it's one thing to say wings are popular, and if you say hey, there's a wing fest, you know, of course people are gonna get excited about it, but you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna have, um, you know, this big community effort and big coming together unless you're out there sharing your positivity, influencing those people, letting them know how passionate you are about what you're doing, so they can say hey, these guys are for real. You know, they're not just out there to uh, to make another prop up fest. These guys are really passionate about what they're doing, and you, you got to build your wing community. You got to build. It's just like networking and anything else, and having strong relationships. So it's very important. Sure. And then, what did you do? I guess, like more specifically, to leverage the following you had from your blog into building the festival. Yeah, I mean, th things have been changing in the social media world. You know, we took to Facebook. We saw a lot of the changes. In Facebook, I know that it always comes up in the conversation when you talk about social media. Um, but, you know, we, we did take things to Facebook um, and Instagram, of course, uh, and we moved with the, with the changing times of Facebook, and, and um, we wanted a place where people could have an opinion, uh, where they can join the conversation, and social media allows you to do that, whereas our flagship website, bestwingsalive.com, more was our voice uh, so just doing the Facebook and Instagram, you know, Instagram being, you know, really the king of food footage and, and food porn or wing porn, as we say, um, that just helps to rally people together. So we utilized, you know, strategic, um, you know, marketing and targeting of the demographic through uh, Facebook in particular. Uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's a lot of part of our key strategy besides the grassroots efforts. It really is. I mean, that's not anything magical that I'm going to say. You know, people are like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, Facebook marketing, but but that's true. It's 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 a very powerful tool if used correctly. Matt, if you could look at your overall marketing mix, what would you say the percentage was that was online? Be that email, digital, social. Like, how what percentage of your total marketing picture was online marketing? 
I mean, it's going to be the most of it. You know, any anywhere for, you know from sixty to six, sixty-five to seventy percent, most likely. Um, you know, one could say, and the word of mouth is also very strong. But this, the social media presence is huge uh, because you know it allows people to tag their friends and share things, um, which is you just cover a lot of ground that way. We did have, we did use something you know, like Eventbrite. We did use Eventbrite, and Eventbrite allows you to be seen through there. Uh, through their service and their website, people can find you there. Um, so, so the social media uh, and online presence was really huge. You know, we brought on other sponsors uh, to to basically say, "Hey, you know, we'll we'll just you know trade banners with you. We'll trade logos with you." We wanted to create all these pathways to our website so people would find out about it. So we just brought on very you know non-official sponsors to do, you know, logo trading with for our website, so there would just be all of these doorways and gateways to what we were doing, and uh, having that community feel of, sh you know, hey, we're shouting you out, we're giving you love, um, you know, it's like the golden rule of social media, uh, you know, you're, you're shouting people out, and they're doing the same for you, and then it, it's, it spreads and it catches fire. So speaking of that, you mentioned Rev was one of the judges, you had quite a few, was there any understanding between the judges and the promotion of the event that while you're going to push out what they're famous for and what kind of projects they're working on that they would help to promote the event? Yeah, I think that goes unsaid between these cats, you know, <laughs> Rev and, and, and Bach and all, all these guys, you know, I mean, that's what we do. Um, you know, these guys are also so social media gurus in their own right, uh, and that's the nature of the game, you know, it's like you give love, you get love, you that's what the community is all about, you know, raising each other up, supporting e what each other is doing, and the more and more you continue to meet people who do that, you'll just have an insane network. Y you have to, uh, you've got to give love to other brands, you've got to shout them out so that, that in turn they'll do the same for you. It's very important to, to do that um, and, and have that to continue to grow your social media network and your presence. Do you feel like one social media network outperformed the others in terms of either driving actual sales or people to the website? Yeah, you know, I mean, once again, you know, Facebook for us at this time, we used very strategically and we were able to, you know, target specific areas, mindsets, things that people liked. And of course, we said, we looked and said, hey, what? Uh, which post or which ad performed better, why, um, you know, what, what created more engagement, what sort of stuff did people share the most, um, and we looked at that stuff, and, and Facebook, you know, I know everybody gets down on, you know, the fact that they, they have reduced your ability to reach your, your, your fans or your following, but the tools are extremely powerful if you know how to use them, uh, and it's worth investing in, and it worked out really well for us. Uh, we saw a huge return on just small uh, investing in Facebook advertising. It was uh, it worked out very well for us. I'll have to say. What yeah. kind of, sorry, what kind of um, like target like research did you do to know who to target and what kind of demographics you wanted to reach out to on Facebook? Well, part of it is just being in the know. You know, knowing who who uh, what sort of people are turned on by wings, and I think it's. It can be somewhat common sense, you know, that people that are into football and sports and everything, and so you've got your, you know, New York Giants, you've got all this stuff, and, you know, people who are into the, the wing franchises and Food Network and folks who follow those kind of things, um, other festivals that people are interested in, um, you know, uh, th those type of ideas. And, of course, saying, 
you know what uh, you know being able to 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 actually target one town i mean where you know the you know if you're doing something localized i mean the fact that you can just say hey i want to reach these towns i want to reach these people of this certain age group uh now over time we know that uh, both male and female the ages you know 24 to uh, 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 35 and and upwards almost till they're 45 or 40, these people are the most interested in wings. So now that we've had that data that we've accumulated over time, we can specifically target those people and know we're going to have success. So it's really about accumulating that data, uh, saying these are the best practices, these are the folks that we're converting to sales, uh, and then focusing heavily on them, putting the laser beam on them, uh, and letting it go from there. But of course, also, you know, the festival that we did was all ages. So when it came to a time for us to say, hey, we, we really need to let folks know that we're going to have bounty castles there and, and all ages stuff, you know, we had to target a different audience at that point. We had to target people that were in their 30s or above. They're into parenting magazines. They're, they're into these type of uh, other activities um, so that, that we could reach those mindsets to let them know, hey, you don't got to call a babysitter for this event. Um, this is cool. You can bring down your kids. There's going to be all ages fun there. So that meant we had to change the imagery, what the you know from from just pictures of wings or beer or whatever it was to happy kids with their faces being painted and families together, things that that create a different association in the mind of our potential customer. So, so yeah. So with those tools and still we're still learning and we're still getting better at it and it's exciting. Uh, we we enjoy collecting this data and we because ultimately not only is it great for your business and what you're doing but you're creating a better user experience all around um, so yeah so so definitely uh, definitely that strategic kind of uh, uh, targeting of the demographics and the marketing on Facebook it, it works really well if you have the the budget for it yeah Matt would you would you say that in the marketing that you did for the festival did it lean more towards trying to market the experience or trying to market the food? Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> I always say our easiest pitch is like, um, you know, let's say, you know, if you said to somebody walking up the street and you said, hey, you know, there's this arts and crafts festival that's going on, you know, you want to go? They might be like, well, what do you mean arts and crafts? What's going to be there? There's going to be like stitching or people dressing up or painting or what is that all about you would get all these questions and then you'd have to convince somebody to go but you know you say to somebody hey you know wing and beer fest are like I'm in where is it I'm there uh, so the <laughs> the wheels are somewhat greased uh, already but we did we did definitely focus a lot on really quality images the food the food porn had to be top-notch it has to be it had to be tested images that we knew went viral already and then we put money into it um, and so, so yeah, so we did, we did concentrate for the first portion of it on the food and what was going to be there. Cause it's so, you know, that, that topic on its own really, really works well. And then as things started to come together of what we knew was going to be at the festival, um, we, we made it so that our imagery represented the experience. You know, if you go to the website, the colors of blue and, and clouds and the sky and tents around, it gives you an idea of what you're going into. It's not just a picture of a, a chicken wing and beer. It gave you the imagery. We have a, had a mascot. His name was Wingy Wingman, uh, who is basically our Kool-Aid guy. He's our Cheetos dude, you know, um, and that just having that cartoon character there 
gave that message, uh, that, that kind of subliminal message to the minds of parents that, oh, this is kind of like fun. And kids would see that character and they'd say, oh, this is cool. That's, that's somebody I'd like to meet. You know, we want to have that person as a mascot, our Mickey Mouse walking around that you can take pictures with, which is something we'd like to do. So the imagery lent itself to the experience. Our language changed to the experience. Uh, but, you know, we did concentrate a lot on, you know, that wings and beer are just so freaking awesome that, you know, you've got to be there. So, so if, I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're saying is that the experience and promoting the experience and talking about the experiment, experience uh, provided a much more rich connection to people than, like, what you'll get when you are there. In other words, the uh, experience over attributes. Yeah, I think the experience is important if you want to set yourself apart, uh, especially because you have to translate your passion and your vibe for fun through the imagery, through the language, not just the food. It's like I said, you could take a hundred different people who are going to throw a wing fest, and only a few of them are really going to know how to convey the message of the experience appropriately through the imagery, through the language. Uh, and through that marketing, so you have to you have to include and convey the fun vibe that you're trying to create through everything. It can't just be about the food. Um, you know, e even when it comes to something like wings and beer, that can go viral pretty easily because it's super popular. But one festival over the other, or is going to be uh, much bigger and draw much more people uh, because of the experience. I mean, we did we did a promotional video uh, that that gave everybody the understanding that th this was going to be a super fun time. It wasn't just like, oh, hey, check out my picture of wings, and oh, my gosh, it looks so delicious, I have to eat that. That's all fine and dandy, and that, that goes a long way. But at the same time, it was a comical video with real gut laughs. It made people feel like they were cracking up, and this was fun. It gave them the vibe that we wanted to have at the festival. And we had s simple imagery there of, of what it would look like and kids going on the slide and people laughing and getting, getting crazy and all the different age groups that would be there. We had scenes where you saw college kids getting rowdy with their beers. We had pictures of families and the kids going on the slide. We, we represented all the things that we wanted our audience to relate to with that fun vibe. So they would say, I want to be there. That works for me. I can see myself there. This is going to be so much fun. I have to go. So that's key. You have to convey the experience uh, through, through the marketing. So you're, given your timeline, I'm guessing it cranks up more towards the, you know, the time of the festival is going to happen. But between your first year and your second year, you had a huge increase in the amount of people that came. Well, how, do you, how do you keep that momentum going in like, the so-called off-season? Well, yeah, I mean, I, once again, we're pretty lucky in, in the kind of, you know, it's, you, you've got to be creative. You've got to understand that you have to dream big. Uh, I, I always say that, that for now, I mean, we, you know, obviously we want to take the show on the road and go to other markets. But, but for now, it helps to be in a place like Long Island where I always say there's a, a lot of headroom, a lot of room to grow um, because the type of experience that we create is, is much different than the type of festivals you're going to go around to in this area. Um, you know, we are lucky to, to be multimedia engineers in that, you know, personally as a director and filmmaker, uh, we can go out and pursue our show, uh, Wing Hunters, which will have us going to the restaurants, doing these comical foodie-type videos where all the language is going to be like, 
the, the waymaker or the chef and will say, hey, how are you preparing for the big championship uh, for next year? And then they'll show us the food, we'll have fun, and all of that will be headed towards the big peak, which is that big championship that tons of wing fanatics um, hit the road and come from all over the place just to get to this one festival. Um, and it's so convincing and the language is so strong and the experience is so viral and so fun that it literally continues uh, to keep it fresh, to keep it exciting. Um, and, and that's what you have to do, though. I mean, you have to have those creative ideas. Uh, sure, you give people a little bit of break, you give them a thing, but then you get right back on the horse. And as long as you're not repeating the same dribble over and over again and you've got a fresh idea, you know, you work towards that festival. So that's what we'll be doing. We'll be going to the restaurants, doing these uh, web shows where the language will be, the how are these guys preparing for the big championship next year? And we'll get right back on it. We also do um, a college wing-eating championship where we go to the colleges and they will have wing-eating competitions there. And the winners of those uh, preliminary rounds will head towards the big college wing eating championship so we this is something that we could start uh you know within a few weeks and get to the first college and just really start building up the anticipation again uh this is not a festival that this this last one that happened i always like to think in hindsight from where i'm standing so in three years from now are that seven thousand people that's a that's our tiny festival that's our small festival that was our little festival there so all of the language that we put out there is to go for those festivals that are 20,000 people or 40,000 people a day over a three-day period. And that's what we're working towards, and that's what all the language that we're putting into our marketing is going to bring bring to us. So, yeah. And I have a – this is a bit of a strange question, and the audience might not know this, but you have multiple, multiple social media accounts uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. And earlier you had said that Facebook really drives the, the majority of your traffic, yet you have you know three, maybe four Twitter names and, and several Instagram names. Can you give the listeners here some ideas as to why you might want to think about having multiple screen names for a similar audience? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, one thing that we were talking about, and it's something that's a little trickier for us, is, you know, obviously we're in, we're in a period of rebranding. I mentioned that we want to bring our show on the road. Um, right now we've been going under the name Best Wings LI, which has a lot of strength in the name. Any restaurant around this area wants to be associated with the words Best uh, of their area, Best Wings LI. If they're associated with that, um, immediately that puts them in a certain tier that they like. So that's something that we kind of wanted to hold on to. Um, and Wing Hunters is a broader um, feel. It's a broader uh, mindset. So it's something that we're, you know, we, we said, hey, are we going to change Best Wings Ally to Wing Hunters? Or are we going to start Wing Hunters or whatever it is? Um, so with that, this period right now with Wing Hunters, it allows us to be international Wing Hunters or, you know, national Wing Hunters. Whatever it's going to be, it's a broader thing. Um, and we are experiment wing with different ways of using Twitter uh, to see what works best. Um, you may have a Twitter account that you've built up a certain following that might not be that active. There could be a lot of ghost followers on there. You might just be showing a number that you have 2,000, 4,000, 10, 20,000 followers, but how many of them are actually engaging with you? Um, so some people, you know, they'll say, hey, I'm starting over. I know better right now. Um, and I can and I get a more active, potent following by doing 
what I've learned. And I think we're trying to take some of that on and also doing that with Instagram as well. Um, you know, of course, you can do your follow-unfollow applications, and that's totally cool. But as you know, you also can have conversations with yourself. <laughs> uh, the, the wing community is a little, uh, let's call it infamous, for having an ongoing Twitter conversation that nobody's listening to. <laughs> so, yeah, so as Facebook has, as I mentioned, you know, we're, we're still getting a lot of our practices down, and by... By experimenting and doing things, you know, we're learning how to use Twitter, you know, more appropriately, and and I think that's what we're in a stage of experimenting with Twitter, um, and, and doing things like that. But you know, I mean, if you're good, if you're active on Twitter and you do your follow unfollow and you and you keep your followers that are engaging with you and, and you have a potent following, you know, yeah, you can have a couple of Twitter accounts. Is it is it is it the best thing to do to have three or four? Probably not. You know, you probably want to have one to two really strong ones, but it's certainly worth, you know, learning, talking to other folks that are really good, you know, with doing Twitter, picking up tips, and and I think we're we're as successful as we have been with social media. You know, it's 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 a it's something that's always changing. It's an animal and a monster that's always changing. So we're still experimenting ourselves with that. Um, and this in this time period that you've caught me in that that we're rebranding and, and trying new things with Wing Hunters and Best Wings Li. Definitely, and I, and I'm guilty. I have, I have 24 accounts, but we won't get into that. Brad, you you should speak to this a little bit. You sort of have two accounts. Can you explain the difference between the two and why would you you would use one over the other? You mean Garoongate versus Burger Weekly on Twitter? Yeah, of course. So Burger Weekly. Uh, you know, it's one account that I used to drive all of the traffic to Burger Weekly, all the content about Burger Weekly. It's got a very large following, but I don't feel like through that account anyone gives a crap about what I have to say personally. Plus, I need an outlet for myself to talk about all of the things that bother me on Twitter because I know that if I go on Garoongate, my personal account, nobody's listening, and there's something about that that's very comforting. Um, but then again... Uh, I the people who do engage with me on my personal account, though smaller in number, are much more uh, likely to share or or respond back. So if there are big things that I really want pushed out on Burger Weekly, um, I can either post them to the larger account and share them on the smaller account and know that they're going to get shared more, or vice versa. If I want to say something that I think I want a larger uh, audience to see but don't want it coming from the voice of the blog, I can do that from my personal account, retweet it from the blog, uh, the blog's account and not feel like I'm alienating people from the blog itself. Yeah, so, so I think that's a great sort of way. So Matt, do you do you think that what you have accomplished would be possible without the internet? Um, I mean, that's a philosophical question. Without the internet, my partner and I would still believe in everything we were doing and come up with creative ways to, to make it happen um, to whichever means were available to us, but would it happen as quickly and as powerfully and, and be able to snowball like the way it has? I, I don't think so. I think that we're, we're pretty uh, blessed to be living in this time where social media is so powerful and we can use the tools available to us. So, yes, I mean, <laughs> social media is awesome. Um, even with all the word of mouth uh, that we have, uh, so social media is definitely important. You know, we use publicity as well. Publicity is good. You know, we get the new, you know, the 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 the, the big papers and the TV appearances. Those all really really help. Um, but to really have a core following, to have a strong following, that's a that's a a personal relationship that you need to have 
through social media to keep those people engaged and to make them feel like they're a part of something rather than they're being talked to. You have to engage with those folks, and social media allows you to do that. It's about building trust, and it's about building a community. Definitely. Yeah, you can't, we're not living in the age that, you, you know, uh, you should be separated from your audience. They, you, they want to feel a connection. They want to feel like you're there and you can speak to them. So it's about engaging <laughs> completely, you know. Well, well, that being the case, maybe you can answer this question. How come Kelly Clarkson never replies to any of my tweets? <laughs> oh, man, you know, she, she just sees that, that tweet, that Rev tweet, and, you know, she just kind of <laughs> keeps scrolling. Day. I'll keep hoping. All right, so, so, so I think you've given us uh, and the listeners here some really good insight on how they can leverage social media and digital marketing to connect to like a niche audience, which is really kind of what it comes down to. Let, let, let's have some fun and, and talk some more, uh, some food and goofness here. What is the worst wing experience you've ever had? Not the worst wing, but the worst wing experience. You don't have to name where it was. You don't have to call anybody out, but like what, how bad did the experience get? I mean, I... Oh. Gosh, I'm sorry, but lately I've I've just been getting a bit tired of the basic pub wing experience. When I go to a pub, they're serving their average wings. They've got their mediocre bottled sauces. They overfry the wing down to the bone, and it's just crunchy skin. And you're just eating these things, going, "Why?" I think years ago I would have been okay with that and been an average wing lover, but I'm I'm not okay with this anymore. Um, <laughs> it, it just it ruins the whole thing for me, man. Uh, uh, we had we had, we have a, a rating scale that goes from disgust wing to amaze wing, as you know. Uh, and there was just you know one night we went in and people gave us a bunch of wing tips on our site, say you've got to go to this place. They're so great, and of course then you know your expectations are up. You try to keep them level, uh, but you're getting all these tips, and then you know it's a basic pub wing at the local bar. They just didn't you know, care that night, they fried them down, and you're just like, oh, man, this is terrible, and there's there's 40 of them on the table. You know, what a shame. So so, uh, so I have this issue with burgers, and I, I want to know if it comes up with you in Wings. When you meet new people or when you talk to your family and they tell you about their favorite wing place that you just didn't like, how personal do they take that? <laughs> you know, man, people people get really uh, serious into their wings, man. You know, they they, they take it very seriously. And it's a personal strike against them if you don't like it. It's almost like they hear it on layer zero. They're like, so what do you know, think of the wings? I was like, ah, you know, I don't know. Maybe it was an off night. It wasn't that good. They're like, all right, I don't know what you're, you know, okay. <laughs> they, they, they take it, people take things personally when it comes to wings. It's like, uh, you know, their baseball team, same thing. Their wing joint is their favorite baseball team, and it's like them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak my opinion here for a moment, which uh, we don't do too often on the podcast. But uh, my problem with wings is as a wing fanatic, right, anybody can serve them. Any restaurant can open and buy, have a fryer and source wings and throw them in and Frank's Red Sauce, blah, blah, blah. But I really feel like it's a food item that a lot of people serve, but not a lot of people really take the time to care about. And I will not order a wing at a restaurant unless it has been recommended to me because I feel like the chance that it being terrible is pretty great. Matt, would you say that that is sort of a generalization that you would agree with? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm getting there. I think I'm, I'm getting to a place where, where what you're saying 
you know, because my feeling about pub wings, look, you, you're going to go to more places that are going to have average wings because you know it's a staple on a menu. You look at the starters or the appetizer portion of the, of the menu, there's always chicken wings on there. It's because the person is either saying, oh, I have to have chicken wings on my menu, or they're like, we make really great wings here. They're really awesome. You have to try them. And if I go into a place that's touting more than three or four flavors, and they're like, oh, we're doing all these flavors, da, 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 I'm like, you're doing all these flavors. They they better be awesome. They better be good. Otherwise, there's no point to you to you saying all this stuff. You know, uh, so so I've become very weary, especially of the pub wings, as I, as I've mentioned. I I like to get recommendations from my tastemaker friends and my wing hunting friends. Uh, at at this point, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of a wing nut. So yeah. All right. Last last wing question, and then we're, then we're going to move into the close out of the show. Do you think that hot wings? can translate if they've been delivered to your house versus eating them in the restaurant. This is one of those, you know, this is one of those taboo things, man. I have rarely seen anybody do it right, uh, if at all. Uh, they need to come up with the Domino's delivery bag for wings. And who's going to invest in that? Who's going to do it? <laughs> who's going to do that but, like, a real serious wing joint that's like, we're about wings, our wings have to be awesome, so they have to you know, to customize some sort of a delivery method because wings do not deliver well and they don't, they don't even reheat well. So it's that, that, that it's, it's, it has to be mastered in this next 50 years of this wing boom. Somebody has to master this, this process. It must be done. As I like to say, listen, how many years ago do we put a man on the moon and we can't yet deliver wings wonderful to somebody's house? <laughs> Ah, oh, it's it's uh, it's terrifying, you know. It's, it's all right. So on the show each week, we we like to ask the same questions to all of our guests. Since since both Brad and I are, are uh, big hamburger fans, and we've sort of built our, our reputation on, on eating them, uh, we're gonna ask you a couple questions about hamburgers. Okay. What what is your favorite burger from childhood? Okay, this is gonna be a weird. Uh, answer to be honest with you um when i was growing up uh i didn't eat many burgers uh i probably was a fast food joint mcdonald's hamburger kid um but i had once made a burger myself because i used to like to mess around in the kitchen when i was pretty young and i made a burger with like everything on it like hot dogs and everything i could find in the kitchen and i got so sick so messed up from this burger i did not eat burgers for like five six years and anybody that asked me do you want a burger um, I said, no, I don't like burgers. <laughs> and it was the strangest answer you could ever give anybody. They give you that tilted head, the dog, you're curious, you know, like, look, like, what is wrong with you kind of a thing? Yeah, that happened to me. So it's going to be a White Castle McDonald's answer, you know, for my earliest memories for sure. Uh, so, so now that that era has passed, <laughs> what was yeah. the last burger that you ate? The last burger that I ate was at Hush Bistro in Farmingdale. Uh, which is actually a place that I've come to really enjoy the the food. I mean, they've got excellent cocktails, and the burger was great. You know, juicy and um, you know, gouda cheese and caramelized onions with sweet flavors. And uh, yeah, I, I was all about it. Great, great, great burger at Hush Bistro in Farmingdale. All right, I'm gonna tell my Long Island guy to go check it out. Yeah, awesome, Matt. What is the uh, what is the last question we'd like to ask? What's the one piece of advice you would give to someone in the food marketing business? Yeah, you know, um, I would say, you know, keep your passion, be creative. 
once again get the community involved you know show a true love for what you're doing uh, and so that fun and that positivity will translate in, in, in what you're getting out there you know you get more bees with honey uh, you want to write down your best practices, repeat the winning formulas, but you got to keep it fresh. It's n none of those same things are going to stay alive forever. And you got to remember, there's there's no such thing as failure, uh, only results. So you tally those results, keep it positive, stay stay at it, uh, and eventually, you know, you you will get winning results and and you will be successful. Awesome, man. Okay, great. Uh, so, Matt, why don't you tell our audience uh, where they can find out more about you and your projects? Yeah, sure. Well, if you want to keep up with uh, the New York Best Wings Festival, that's nybestwingsfestival.com. It's also at bestwingsli.com is our review site. Twitter is at Wings and Beer Fest, at Wings, letter N, Beer Fest. Insta is nybestwingsfestival, at bestwingsli. And, of course, our Facebook is um, Facebook backslash bestwingsli. So, Matt, for people who are really excited about you, not just hot wings, uh, Give 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 thirty seconds here about the when. Yeah, the when. Uh, it's something I'm excited about. It's it's a music project. It's a retro future music uh, project. So if you're into like Blade Runner and the Neverending Story <laughs> and uh, Depeche Mode, Nine Inch Nails, but like Alice in Chains and Faith No More uh, kind of tunes, that's pretty much what I'm doing with the when. I'm releasing my new EP called Layer Zero on June 30th. It'll be available everywhere: Spotify, iTunes. Uh, and I'm having the EP release show at Pianos NYC this Wednesday at 7 p.m. So you can check that out at facebook.com backslash the when music or Instagram at underscore the when. So check that out. Um, you know, if you're into the fantasy genre and synth pop and metal, the when is for you. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Really, really appreciate it. Looking forward to the uh, next Wing Hunters adventure and, of course, the next. Uh, Best Wings Festival, wherever it happens. Yeah, well, I want you to be there. you got to be a judge. Wings in October Fest. Special invite, exclusive wing bash back at Cannon's Blackthorn in Rockville Center, October 17th. you got to jump on that if you want to be involved. It's only open to an exclusive amount of people. So we want to see people at Wings in October Fest in Rockville Center, Long Island. Awesome. We'll, we'll link that up in the show notes. Matt, thanks so much. The pleasure. This is Rev. And uh, Brad, thank you. Everybody have a great day. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Like, Bite, and Share. We hope you found today's interview insightful. If you didn't get a chance to write down everything, no worries. We take the show notes for you. Go to schweidandsons.com slash podcast to find them. If you enjoy the show, we ask for one favor, and that's please give us a rating in iTunes. That helps us to spread the word to others who might find this valuable like you do. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss a future episode featuring helpful tips from other professionals in the food marketing business. Stay hungry.